0: two social workers on a mission to change the narrative a Babies podcast seeks to empower others in making changes to maintain their physical emotional and mental health this podcast is about becoming the best version of ourselves i hope you feel inspired join bria spencer and fadia g pierre bi-weekly as they initiate conversations about mental health fitness and travel share this with someone who needs it Follow us on Instagram at millennial underscore babes underscore podcast, and let's continue the conversation.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Millennial Babes Podcast. Today's topic is about how children and adolescents' mental health have been impacted by the pandemic and Black Lives Matters. Our guest today is Tiana Washington at T Speak NYC, who is a NYC-based licensed social worker and founder and CEO of T Speaks NYC, LLC, a business dedicated to bringing mental health and wellness programming to youth in undeserved parts of the city. Tiana uses her public speaking platform to raise awareness about the importance and need for youth, mental health awareness and advocacy. More recently, she has launched a business initiative to help individuals looking to tap into their entrepreneurial side and turn their passion into profit via consultation services. So, Tiana, thank you for being here with us today. We are excited and we are looking forward to have a great conversation with you today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: I just wanted to check in with you and, first of all, ask how are you doing with the pandemic, BLM?
2: I've been doing okay. I've been doing okay. Um, You know, like a lot of folks, this has been a trying time across the board. Um, You know, and it's the first time we've ever really experienced a pandemic. And then been thrown literally into protest, right? From pandemic to protest, right? It's it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time. Um, during COVID, unfortunately, I experienced loss. Um, you mm. know, I had folks close to me that got very ill, so there was managing that. Um, thankfully, um, you know, I don't know if your listeners know, but. I do work for the city school system. Okay. So fortunately I still have my job in that respect, right? And I'm so grateful for that because this got bills to pay. Yes. yes. Um <clears throat> but as it pertains to like my company, um, I've really had to pivot. I've really had to pivot mm. because much of what T Speaks does is physically based. It's, you know, in front of kids, it's in front of teachers, it's in front of Uh, principals and directors when I'm delivering my workshops, I'm going to these spaces. So once COVID hit, a lot of the contracts and bids that I had in queue were either halted or stopped altogether because we're no longer meeting in person. Mm -hmm. So as a company, I really had to figure out how to pivot. I know that there's still a need, but how am I now meeting that need in a virtual space? Um, And that's what I had to figure out how to do. And, you know, God is good. Thankfully, I feel like I've been able to do that successfully. I think quarantine has really taught us the importance of being creative and being able to adapt. And that's kind of the space that I'm in now and figuring out what going forward looks like, especially with so much unknown that's still around.
0: Mm. Yeah time where everyone has been impacted as well um, I know for myself during this time thankfully you know I do have my dad I was able to work from home um, but I, as you I did experience loss as well um, my dad had passed but not from a COVID so that was just a whole nother thing in itself like you know family and friends been you know supportive um, so that's that's a great thing in itself um, and I'm happy to hear that you've been able to pivot your own business. I know it's not easy, and that's another stress. <laughs> level. Girl, girl. I know it's
1: it's been very challenging because even with, imagine. I know.
2: <laughs> and it's interesting because it's like this balancing act of, you know, balancing your professional life. But then also having to balance how that interplays into your personal life and you're meeting with clients and families that are talking to you about loss and grief and you are on the other end experiencing your own personal experiences with that so it's a very interesting time this um pandemic period that we were in or i should say still are we still are in this kind of pandemic phase um, so it's
0: it's been interesting. It's been interesting. I'm not going <laughs> to <trust him.
2: laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And just even because you said something, like, we're still in this pandemic. And I was telling my husband yesterday on the car ride home, like, we're, like, yeah, the world is reopening. But the reality is, is, like, no, there's still a pandemic. We uh-huh. still have to wear a mask. This is our new normal. And it took me back. Right? I'm like, whoa, like, this is still... An adjustment period, and I don't even know how long it's gonna last. So, yeah, right, yeah, right,
2: I get it, especially as we see, like, you know, cases are now starting to uptick. And a lot of places, the country, a lot of these states that rush to open are now seeing upticks, they're seeing more cases, they are
1: seeing that
2: it's crazy. It's crazy. So, a lot of my clients, a lot of my families, they're kind of like you know what does the fall look like is my child going back to school um you know it is safe that like they're asking these questions and i i don't have those answers so i'm figuring things out day by day just as a lot of us are so we will see we will see
1: uh, even for me um just Experiencing losses too in our family. Like it's been a hard time doing, you know, the COVID staying home and you know, I also lost my job, so I had to pivot as well, trying to figure out a different plan. And thank God I was able to find, you know, something else just to kind of like keep me going and, you know, giving back to community and working. And I have the nonprofit which been very um, helpful as well and like keeping me busy, but it's been like challenging and I can see my family and friends who were struggling through this time. And for me, it was just like, I need this to be over. <laughs> I need this to be over. I need this, like, so for us to be able to go outside, for us to be able to do things, like, that, that's normal. And with, like you said, with COVID, like, hitting other states now, it's like, what's going to happen? Is this going to go, is this going to be extended? Are we going to go back to, like, being home again? Like, it's just, it's definitely, like, hitting us really hard, and, and especially the children, too, I think. So um, I'm just waiting to be outside.
0: <laughs> amen, amen to
2: yeah so tiana how did you and fadia connect you know what i when i was thinking about us doing the interview today i had to really ask myself how did me and fadia Mm -hmm. you know when you just connect with someone and it feels like you've known them for quite some time but you can't pinpoint how and when you met i want to say it was through social media I want to say it was through social media because we have a mutual girlfriend who's also a social worker um shout out to her joy Briss. yeah um and i think her and Fadi had an <laughs> existing relationship and we all somehow came together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but bria i can't about might be able to tell you better because i can't even remember fully how we met, met. so Do you remember Fadi, yes
1: i remember it? the first time we met was when i came out to brooklyn when Millenet social worker had their brunch And I was the one that was like all live and dancing when we had the (laughs) panel. And then I was upstairs. So she was downstairs and I was sitting upstairs. And then like they were playing music and I'm coming downstairs and like dancing. And she was like, okay. And then we just kind of like just connected with each other and we started talking. And then we started networking, exchanging, like, what do you do? And I'm like, this is what I do. And I'm like, oh my God, we do the same thing. We work with kids, we work with adolescents. And we just was, and then you were like, we need to connect one day. We need to do something together. And then just from that event, We just like, we just became friends, we just became cool. And then we, it's just been a continuation since then. And we just been like meeting at events. And then, like you said, Joy was also that, you know, brought us together because we went to Atlanta for the Millennial Social Work Conference and we all stayed together at the same house. It was like a sorority house. And, you know, yes. 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 And then so, but the, but the great, the greatest things about our relationship is that I went away on my trip. And then when I came back and you were like, hey, I'm doing a band bullying and building self-esteem workshop. Would you be willing to come and help out? And I was like, you know what, why not? I'm moving to New York, I'm new, I'm like, this is a great way to connect and I wanna keep working with kids and adolescents and that's how we kind of reconnected again. And you had your event, which was successful and I was like, hey, I have a poetry and I wanna share out. And it just started from there for us. You know, that's what I want I mean, to say. You're
2: right. you're right. And let me tell you something. For all your listeners that are listening in, if you didn't know, if you are having any event and you need an energy starter, somebody that can just light the room up, call Fadia. Okay? Call her. Because that is exactly how her and I met. And it's all come back to me now. We had this social work appreciation event. And this was back in, funny. was that early this That was year? last
1: year, early last year, 2019. Early last year, yes, March when we met. of
2: 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the DJ was excellent that oh day. My I God. mean, he was spinning some tunes. And all I remember seeing is this little <laughs> firecracker coming down the steps. She was just going. Like, I said, look at this I said, I like her. And then we started to have conversation and like you said, the rest is history. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I know. And then I, I don't
2: forget that. Yeah, yes. exactly.
1: And I did a poetry <laughs> at your event and then you asked me to come back for the workshop you just um, had for the teens, um, the Taking Care of Teens. And then I did a um, How to Take Care of Yourself um, using creative arts and poetry. So we just been connecting yes. since then and been supporting one another. And just and I'm just like, we're just vibing because it's like we are both into the mental health and we want to help youth and adolescents and just working with them and it just makes it just makes sense it's just and like you said it feels like we've known each other like longer than we have and it's just like wow Mm -hmm. like the feeling is just so natural and the vibe is just so great so it's been like amazing
0: yeah uh, claudia is definitely a firecracker where our listeners probably know by now but we're cousins so I know when she's on the dance floor I'm right there next to her so we gotta go to more to more with each other. yes
1: we do yes we do
0: uh, so so the purpose of this episode today is basically you know we know that children and adolescents are impacted because of the pandemic and going through you know the protests and so we know that mental health problems affect one in six children and rates go up during community crisis specifically a higher number of children develop anxiety depression um, behavioral problems even sleep issues Um, suicidal symptoms might occur and maybe substance abuse disorders Um, And so while most children have been exposed to life changes and stresses, um, one of the strongest factors in helping children and adolescents during a stressful time is a healthy relationship with at least one supportive parent.
1: Yeah. And just so with all that, and why we wanted to bring you, um, Tiana, is just to talk about like, what are something have you been noticing happening with the youth during this pandemic and Black Lives Matter?
2: A lot. And a lot of what Bria mentioned is exactly what is happening now, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. Initially, when 2020 started, I'm gonna say February going into March is when this pandemic really started to pick up for us, at least here in New York City. And on a Thursday, our teens were going to school and on a Friday, they were being told that you're no longer coming to school. And we cannot tell you for how long now for a lot of us as adults that might not seem like that big of a deal but when you think about it through the lens of a young person who believe it or not thrives on structure thrives on routine thrives on their day-to-day interactions with their peers with their teachers experiencing that unexpected change is enough to bring a lot of anxiety-based symptoms for anyone And that's exactly what we started to see happen, because now not only are you not going to school, we're saying Mm, to you, you have to quarantine in your home. And quarantining in your home means a loss of physical contact with the very people that you care about outside of your family domain. And also... Thinking about this through an equity and a cultural lens, we have to understand that for a lot of our teens, home life is not the best life for them. Not at School all. School may have been their safe space. School might have been their sanctuary. So now we're saying, telling you to confine to the very place in which a lot of our teens, unfortunately, did not want to be. So a lot of the clients that I started to have coming in, especially when the nonprofits were reaching out and youth-based organizations, were speaking a lot to anxiety-based symptoms. Mm. Irritability in the home. Anger happening in the home. Trouble sleeping at night. Um, Substance use. Substance use in the home. In the home. Um, Loneliness. Um, Trouble coping with being quarantined at home. Our teens were experiencing so much. And then, and then on top of all of that, now we're in the midst of a civil rights movement. Yes, we are. But we've literally transitioned from this pandemic where a lot of them have experienced actual loss um, with major life milestones, um, you know, prom, graduation, things that our teens really look forward to they've experienced those losses but now they're seeing police brutality happening Mm -hmm. on the tv on social media and unfortunately they are connecting and relating with a lot of what they're seeing because most of my clients are of the black and brown communities and they're seeing folks in their community being killed or Mm -hmm. being treated unjustly. Mm -hmm. So our teens are really going through it right now. And oftentimes when these conversations are happening, which is I'm so glad we're doing this interview today, we forget about our teens in those conversations. So we see the the protests happening. We see folks that are raising and amplifying their own voices, which is great. But what about our teens? What about our teens and what they're seeing Mm -hmm. and what they're experiencing? Questions that they may have, thoughts that they might be having. Mm
0: -hmm. Why is
2: this happening, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, What is mm -hmm. the meaning behind all of this? For a lot of our kids, this is the first time they've experienced anything like this. Exactly. And sometimes we forget to even just ask them the direct question: How are you doing? Mm
1: -hmm. How are you? How are you feeling?
2: With everything that's going on, I know this might be a really tough time for you. What questions do you have Mm -hmm. these are conversations that we have to have with them and that's why it was so important for me to create virtual holding spaces for them because even though I can't see you physically I know that the need is there to address some of the anxieties that might be coming up for you if your family's in a space of feeling like they can't have those conversations for whatever reason it was important for me to be able to hold space for them for them to just unpack everything because I know for me personally speaking yeah this has been a difficult period it has going into from pandemic into protest. so i can only imagine for a young person what their experiences might have been
1: and not only that too they're, they're not even like they don't even have time to process so, like, they're still processing the pandemic. They're still processing the fact that they're not even in school. They're missing prom. They can't experience prom the way supposed to. They can't even celebrate graduation, completing a full four-year of colleges where they have their friends and family being there celebrating. So, it's like they're still processing that loss and trying to understand, okay, what is going to be life after this? Like, the high school experience that I'm supposed to have, we're not having it. And even with the little the little kids, too, who's like, what happened to my little friends who doesn't have an understanding? Even though you're explaining it to them, they still don't have an understanding. Even with you Bria, with having your daughter at home because everybody's like, you know, they're experiencing that loss and your daughter cannot go to school and you have to explain to her, you know, we have to stay home. Like, what are some things where you're seeing with her and what was that like for you and with her at home?
0: So she's four, so it's been a little bit different for her. Um... I, the, the behaviors that I've seen, she's more, more, like, more attached, and so, and I think that's, be, and she wants that more attention, so if I, like, even, like, step out, it's that that separation anxiety has, has come back again for her, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, and where she was, you know, going to daycare and around other kids and so she's not having that social piece anymore and so having to constantly you know be her and try to keep her um, focused and play with her and doing activities on top of that trying to homeschool her which is which isn't easy because she's four so she doesn't have a long attention span and then trying to take care of my own mental health and going through my own grieving process as well and then you know my my husband's home too so he um, was on furlough because of everything shutting down in new york so our dynamic completely changed in the home as well Mm -hmm. um and as far as like you know black lives matter and going through the protests we she understands but she doesn't understand entirely um we just we did take her to one, um, we took her to one protest and she was just like, why are all these people here? And we were just like, well, well we're here to support people who look like us as we have, who have like black and brown skin. And sometimes we are not treated well. And so we are here to use our voices. And I told her, he's like, you know, it's okay to use your voice and to never be afraid and she was raising her hand, Black Lives Matter, yeah. and then um, randomly, like a few weeks ago, she was just like, don't shoot, don't shoot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, remember, we went, and all those people, and we raised our fists, and I was like, oh, yes, you, you understand, you're getting it. And so, you know, she's she's learning, she's saying her own affirmations like, yesterday she was like i'm black oh, i'm wow. beautiful oh. and i'm strong and i was just like oh, that's my little one. she's getting it and so it's, it's a process it's a process for her and for us and just trying to support her and support just being individuals and parents through this time
2: okay. mm-hmm. the beautiful thing in that bria um And I don't even know if you realize that what you're giving to your daughter, but it's this sense of empowerment, but also control, Mm -hmm. whereas so much of what's happening right now feels outside of our control. Yes. A lot of my teens, that is their feedback to me, Mm -hmm. is that... Nothing feels they no longer feel like they are in control, Wow. which can cause a lot of mental health related problems. Right. This feeling of loss of control. So by you giving your daughter tangible exercises, tangible responses as to what is happening, why it's happening and what we can do about it helps to make them feel empowered like Mm -hmm. even though this is happening and i can't control that i can control this and that makes me feel good that's so important
0: yeah and i'm so happy you said that because it does make me feel good to see that even in the midst of all this chaos and change she's still thriving and i know That's not easy for children her age, even those who have, you know, um, their own uh, disabilities and even for teenagers as well.
1: And I do agree. And I do. And I think you guys are doing such a great job. And I think Rhea, you're doing a great job with your daughter and, and definitely helping her. Rhea, you were talking about, you know, Titi and like your challenges and what you're doing for her. And I appreciate the time you're spending and, you know, teaching her those skills and how to get through this hard time. So Tiana, how are parents are, you know, I know they're having a hard time with this too because they're seeing the behaviors, just trying to figure out how to manage it. A lot of them, you know, They don't have the, probably the full knowledge or doesn't know, you know, especially with us being social workers and therapy, we know how to manage their behaviors. We know what to do. We know how to help them self-regulate. So are they having a hard time managing their behaviors at home and helping them to self-regulate? Like, are you seeing that with them? Are they, like, reaching out and asking for support? Like, how are the parents dealing with this?
2: Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's hard. It's a tough time for parents. Like, Kudos to all your listeners that are parents or even like family, you know, guardians, caretakers of young people. This stuff is hard. This is not anything easy. We have never been through anything like this before. And I think it was Bria that mentioned earlier, like our parents are trying to take care of their own mental health and they're trying to balance their own work home life balance and being teachers as well. Like you have to be an at-home teacher for your child. This is not easy. And your jobs demands do not stop because of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Jobs demands do not stop. So now you have the responsibilities of your job, um, having to clock in, having to be present, having to, you know, do just, whatever duties that they're asking for you to do on top of that you have your child some of us may have more than one child at home and helping them with at school learning some of my parents are saying at school at home learning is more difficult than when their child was actually in school really when their child was actually going to their classes physically right Mm -hmm. so you know and and then we have to also understand that yes we're dealing with pandemic we're dealing with protests but we're also dealing with A recession of sorts, right? Yeah. An economic Mm -hmm. recession of sorts. We've had so many parents, so many of my parents, that have been laid off or their hours have been cut dramatically. So now you have this tension and this financial loss in the home. All of those stressors only exacerbate things that are happening in the home. So now when your little one is, and understandably so, quote unquote, acting up or having these symptoms and these situations at home you're like ready to pull your hair out. You are ready to pull your hair out. It's like, wait a second, on top of dealing with this, 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 now I got to deal with attitude. Now I have to deal with you slamming doors. Now I have to deal with you telling me you're gonna go outside anyway because you miss your friend. It's so much, so a lot of the conversations that have been happening now, it's really, yes, balancing the students because the youth is always my primary focus. But also balancing my parents mental health and self-care and really having them check in and being honest and transparent with themselves about how they are doing around how they are coping Mm -hmm. because some of them are not coping well and I think it's important that we normalize that Mm -hmm. and validate that for them and affirm them and you are doing the best that you can
1: yes they are
2: yes you are doing the best that you can given these really interesting, and excuse my French, shitty circumstances. Yes. I do not want anyone who is listening to this conversation that we're having today to ever feel guilt or doubt as to their ability to show up as a parent, because that has been coming up a lot. So many of my moms and some of my dads are like, I feel like I should be doing more. I feel like I should be doing more. And I have to tell them, you are doing enough. So to answer your question, yeah, parents are experiencing a really difficult time because they're not mental health professionals. So when they see that children exhibiting a lot of these symptoms, you know, they don't necessarily have the lens to know, okay, these are anxiety-based symptoms and my child is experiencing Mm X, Y, and Z. No, they just wanted to stop. It's like, stop, respect me. This is just as hard for me as it is for you. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my work is just really kind of helping to get them the language of what to use with a young person. Um, Some really just kind of like tangible skills to use within the home. Um, the importance of routine and structure, the importance of having a long time, independence time for mom, for that family, or caretaker, but then also time with their child. And the same goes for the child. I talked to them about the importance of having individual time for them, what yes. that looks like, really building on um, the importance of routine mm-hmm. for them, understanding what routine looks like and why it's so important, and then also for them to have uh, time with their family at home as well the independence and also the combination is so important it's so important because ultimately at the end of the day we're in this together we are like quote-unquote we're Mm -hmm. in this together and we have to make the best of the situation
0: and it's not easy you know trying to it's like you have to put everything in like a box and Mm -hmm. separate like okay my child needs a routine so what is this routine going to look like and we're going to try it if it doesn't work we're going to have to try another routine I I have to work you know I'm a mom you know I'm sure there's mothers and parents trying to work as well so what is that going to look like and how it what is, what is that child going to do during that time period so you can focus okay then mm-hmm. after that it's like you have to take care of home and, and parent and take care of the household and trying to do all the chores and cooking or whatever. Uh, way too much. That much time, but then when things don't go well and then nothing's set on schedule, it's like every like you're like you you get so frustrated and it's just like oh my god like I just need things to just balance and and so it's a constant rearranging the routine and what your days will look like and so you shared that you've you've been given your family's and teens' coping skills. So have you seen that where you give in coping skills that hasn't worked and then they have to like change it up? And have you seen that there's been a finally like maybe a balance for them?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's, it's funny that you asked that, Bria, because remember earlier when we spoke about quarantine and like the need to be creative to meet the needs of your clients and yeah. people staff? My clients have actually helped me to, I don't know if I would say develop the business or brand, but being more strategic in how I can reach them. And I actually started to develop worksheets for my teen clients. So typically, I like—I run workshops throughout the year. That's just what I do. I run workshops. I'm in front of my teens. I, I, I. During those workshops, I typically would use worksheets that I would print, didn't think anything of it, but now it's quarantine. And now thinking about some of my parents that are saying, I need something tangible that I can look at. Wow, I need something okay. tangible that I can use. Okay. I, need, I need something in lieu of T-Speaks. When you're not with us physically, what can I use with my teens? That's So good. I started to develop worksheets that were aimed at coping skills, coping skills and self-esteem at home for Mm -hmm. people that they can use independently or with their families. Mm -hmm. So questions around, you know, how are you coping with change? What does your support system look like like, for both family Mm -hmm. and for the team? Now we're having conversations around the importance of support, the importance of recognizing different emotions that we might experience day to day. Their emotional regulation exists on ebbs and flows, right? Mm -hmm. So every day they're experiencing so many different emotions, but sometimes they don't have the language for that. And so these worksheets help them to normalize and validate their experiences. And it opens conversations with with their families. And I stress to the families, I say, look, we can plan, plan, plan as much as we want. Yeah. When mm-hmm.
1: 2020
2: has showed us anything, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Change. your plans are just not going to go as according to how you thought they At would. Okay. All. Sometimes your plans will not work, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. That is okay. Mm-hmm. Let's not get so tight and wound up to where we lose the essence of what we're trying to accomplish. So, hey, you know what? We tried to work on this um, self-love journal, and she didn't want to complete it today. She didn't want to do it today. And I know it's in our routine, because you spoke to us about routine. We put it on there for the schedule, and she refused to do it. And I was very upset, and we had a blow-up. Okay, let's pull that back a bit. Why did that blow-up happen, right? Did we have yes, a conversation mm-hmm. around why she didn't want to fill it out? Did you check into how her day was going? How was her morning going? We're in pandemic. We got to be flexible. We have to be creative yes. and give ourselves grace. Exactly. Maybe she didn't want to do it today. You know what? Maybe it's something we can work on tomorrow. Maybe it's a conversation we can say, you know what, hon? I know today wasn't a great day for you. And I know you didn't want to fill it out. When you're ready to have that conversation with me, let's kind of come back together i know things are kind of hot right now maybe tomorrow would be a better day for us Mm -hmm. to fill it out together Mm -hmm. is that all right with you give them that choice give them that autonomy Mm -hmm. i know sometimes you know for me i grew up in a caribbean household so respect is everything for our elders Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm Mm -hmm. not saying for parents to not expect respect from their children but it's also important to give them a little bit of autonomy Mm -hmm. give them a little bit of choice because it goes so much longer than trying to butt heads with them Mm -hmm. and pushing them away.
1: And I think that's what's hard is with a lot of parents, it's like they have their own stressors that they're dealing with. And it's like, if you can just do what you need to do, then I don't have to worry about it. And so it's really good that you are, you shifted gear a little bit and then say like, I need to create this because the parents are asking, because if they weren't asking, it would have been like, okay, what do they need? But I'm happy that the parents are reaching out and they're asking, and then we can reach to them in a different level. It's amazing. It's like at school, we're doing this. We're looking at school. We're looking at the, community how they can deal with things in the community now it's like mm-hmm. no it's coming into the home right now and the parents will probably be like how do you guys do it like how are you dealing with it can you provide us with provide us with the resources because they're not trained in that capacity to say okay exactly do you want to just go over there take a deep breath you know meditate yoga what is it that can you do what can i help you with and if they don't have the language to do it they're not going to be able to help them and support it's Important having like that parent support, being able to come in and help them, and having like resources that they can use. To, like you said, the tangible resources is so important because it's very different from school, the community, and being in the home, especially when you have multiple adolescents. And it's not just one, but you have like two, three, or four. Uh huh. Uh
2: huh. Right. And you think about physical space as well, right? You no know space. The physical space is everything. Yes. Um, All of us are not necessarily blessed to have, uh, you know, a home with multiple rooms, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, rooms where you can, you know, establish some type of physical boundaries within your home. Uh, You know, a lot of my clients, they are in studio apartments with up to Mm -hmm. family members sometimes. What does that Mm -hmm. look like?
0: Mm -hmm. What does that Uh, look like during uh, a
2: pandemic when you're quarantined? That's true. These are things that you know, people don't think about, we're not having those conversations. You're telling me to practice self-care and to do all of this, but I'm also in a small space with five, six other family members. Imagine managing that on top of work or not having work, being laid off. And I have, there's so many nuances that goes into um, this pandemic especially when we know COVID disproportionately impacted communities of color. When we talk about loss, right? That loss is real. And it's important that when we have these conversations, we frame it in that way. Mm -hmm. Some of the experiences of certain communities are very different than other communities. Mm -hmm. When we talk Mm -hmm. about access to health resources and mental health resources, that's why it's so important for me that the, the work that I do is easily accessible, it's affordable and it's there. It's there for these communities because they need it. Other communities have access to these resources and sometimes ours unfortunately do not. So um, yeah, just to that point, it's important to really frame those conversations and having it through that equity lens Mm -hmm. because we know in New York City, equity is not always a priority
1: yeah and it's and as i was thinking about this topic and coming into it it was like it was general right it was like okay we need to talk about how the they're being impacted during this pandemic and then yesterday i went to see my best friend in philly and i was hanging out with my goddaughter and it's interesting like I'm, i'm sending resources to them i'm like hey you should look into this you should look into this to help you but i never really sat down and really have a conversation with her until she finally said to me last night like yo Fadia, like this is hard like to be working and then I'm supposed to teach them at the same time and then not only am I teaching them like the virtual learning they're learning the subjects are different because they're in different grades and they all have different personalities and they're all it's coming in different ways and she's like I don't know what to do. I need them to go back to school. Like she was like, Are they even gonna open next year? Because I'm not a teacher. I didn't go to school to be a teacher. I didn't go to school to learn huh? this. So it's like we need the help. And I didn't realize until last night, like those parents are really having a hard time and we need they need resources and those kids also are struggling because even with my goddaughter, I can see like their attention span. It was like I need that interaction and the minute we went outside I'm like let's go and they're like they want to play they want to interact but being home and not being able to go out it definitely has an impact and I didn't realize it because I don't have kids in the house so it's different for me I know they're impacted but I didn't know in what capacity it was for Mm -hmm. them and so being there and seeing them and I was just like oh wow like this is serious. Like this is a conversation that we need to have and we need to like provide them with the support that they need especially with the parents cuz they're having they're having like a a hard a hard time. I don't know about you Brielle, like what do you think? Like I mean this is like something. I mean you're also I mean your daughter is 4, but just keeping her attention span and like, you know, keeping her active while you're doing stuff for you and self-care, you know, those things got to come up for you too.
0: I mean, not even for my own daughter, but, you know, I have um, a cousin. She's She just turned 16. And so she, you know, we were talking uh, yesterday and she was just like, you know, she... It was different for her from having to go to... Going to school, now having to do distance learning. And she said that distance learning, she found a lot harder for herself. Um, And because it's just... A different type of environment she's home now and she's also the type of um, girl who's always in activities Like she does dance and you know into school and her peers are very smart and just you know being in a in an AP class and going from doing well to not doing well in that mm-hmm. in that AP class and so you know and just even empowering her and that like you know at least you know, you still tried your best and it's it's not the end of the world. You know, you have another year. We don't know what the fall is going to look like. At the same time, just try your best and not be hard on yourself at the same mm-hmm. time as well. And so, you know, even my stepdaughter, she also turned 16, too. So she experiencing her own loss, she couldn't have her sweet 16 anymore um having to be home and just feeling really bored as well so it's 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 not easy for our teenagers and 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 our children as well so i get it, i understand it i feel for them as well just as much as the parents trying to teach um and then it makes me think okay now we're having these protests and racism is even more blatant and there are adolescents who have experienced racism within their community, at schools. I know there's some schools in in New York City who have, um, what are those things called? When they have the security. At the school? Yeah, school safety. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on now, have any of your clients expressed, you know, how they've dealt with racism or their feelings about black lives matter movement and and the civil rights movement that's going on right now. Yeah, it, it
2: has been coming up, um, a lot because there is, there's no avoiding it when you think about it. Right. Um, these protests, um, we see them, especially here in New York, they are widespread. Um, but even the coverage of the killings themselves Mm -hmm. and the news constant replays of it, which is something I've had to talk to my parents about and, you know, being mindful of news consumption in the home with their children being around, it's everywhere. So, you know, a big question that I get from some of my teens is just like, you know, what is happening? Like, why Mm -hmm. is it happening? Okay. Um. And also more so, what can I do? So Mm -hmm. I have my teens on two, it's almost like two ends of the spectrum. I have some teens that are like, I don't understand what's happening. What is all of this? What is, you know, what is happening? What's going on? This feels weird. I'm not used to this. And then you have my teens that are very much aware of what is happening. But in a space of, again, when we talk about that loss of control, what can I do about it? So my mom doesn't want me to protest, but I feel like I want to support this movement because it's important to me to fight against police brutality, to fight against systemic racism. But I'm only 13, I'm only 15. What can I do and how can I affect change? So that's been some of the conversations that have been coming up on my end. And in terms of the parents, it's more so been just how do I have these conversations? Um, I've had some parents blatantly say, I don't want to have these conversations um, mm. because it's uncomfortable for me. Okay. Um, it's for me to find the words and knowing what to say. And, you know, discomfort is real. Discomfort is real. And we're having a lot of parents that are forced to have these conversations Um, quicker than some of them might have wanted to have the conversation so that's kind of what's been coming up on the parents end is how do I have my conversation how young is too young is my child too young for me to have these conversations my daughter's just in preschool what does that conversation even look like um so that's kind of what's been coming up um with some of my clients
1: and is that what led you to create because i noticed on your instagram you created like how to talk to your child about racism is that what prompted you to create that um that was it the the format and like how to talk to them about it
2: mm-hmm. yes yes everything let me tell you something <laughs> if your um <laughs> listeners connect with me or find me after which i hope they do know that 98 percent of my instagram page is client driven So it may have been a conversation that I had with a client. It might be something that I'm seeing coming up in sessions and feeling like, okay, this is something that needs to come up. But to answer your question, yeah, I had quite a few parents that were asking that question. How do I talk to my kids about race? And also understanding that some parents don't have the luxury of not talking to their kids about race. It's a conversation that they have to have. And early on. You know, we know that as young as six, babies already six months, years old, not six years old, six months, babies already start to recognize race. Mm -hmm. They already start to recognize Mm -hmm. folks that don't look like their primary caregiver. They already start to pick up on that. And by the time they're three and a half years old, they start to conceptualize that people are different based on race based on skin color. And unfortunately, we see a lot of our black children around this age, three, four, five, start to feel discriminated against because of their skin color. We don't wanna play with him because he doesn't look like us. Or he can't sit with us because her, you know, he, he looks different or her hair looks different. So I tell all my parents, they can never be too young. There's levels to it, right? So I'm not gonna have the same conversation I have with my 13 year old that I would with my four year old. However, we're still broaching these conversations. Find out what they know. Find out what they know about what they've been seeing on the news. Ask the question, what do you think about everything that's been going on? And leave it there. Some be surprised as a parent or caregiver, just what they know or what they think they know and that in itself we can use it as a conversation piece and don't don't mute their voices like you know i've had parents say to me well you know they're bringing this up and it just wasn't the right time so i told them no no no. you know we can talk about a different time let me tell you something if you avoid having these conversations with your child trust and believe they're having it elsewhere
1: exactly they are. whether
2: it's with friends, whether it's with somebody else's parents, and you want to be your child's first and primary teacher.
1: Yes.
2: You want to mm-hmm. instill in them your principles and your values. And it's okay to be transparent. If these conversations make you uncomfortable, express that to your child because they're probably experiencing similar feelings of discomfort as well. Mm-hmm. Express them that, you know, mm-hmm. this conversation Is really uncomfortable for mommy to have, but I also recognize that it's really important for you to know what's going on as it pertains to race and racism in this world because it will indirectly or directly impact you. Let's have that conversation. And a trick that I tell all my parents before even engaging in those conversations is to practice. Practice outside of your child first. Practice with someone that you trust Mm-hmm. someone who is um, like-minded that shares similar values and beliefs as you and practice having that conversation with them practice what you would say practice if questions were to come up how you would answer those questions and when you're with your child if they ask you something you don't know it's okay to say I don't know
1: Yeah,
2: I don't have the answer mm-hmm. to that but you know what we can learn together we can find out together That is so, 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 so important. Don't tell your child we don't see color. That's been coming up as well. Exactly. Well, you know, I raised my child not to see color because we believe that everyone is equal. Two different things. You can believe that everyone is equal, but you also cannot say that you don't see color because if seeing color negates the experiences of black and brown communities that have unfortunately experienced negative experiences because of their skin color. So be honest in acknowledging diversity. Diversity is beautiful. Diversity is what makes this country whole. Have those conversations of diversity. What kind of books are in your home?
1: That's right. What kind of
2: characters are in those books? Yes. Of one particular race or is it diversified? When we think about disabilities, are we having conversations around some individual's physical limitations? We have to have these conversations with our kids because if we're not, they're going to have it with someone else and you don't want that someone else pouring into your child in ways that you don't want them to be poured into.
1: And one thing you just brought up, which I didn't even think about that, children who are, who have disabilities, how are they dealing during this time and how are those parents managing? It's something I wasn't even thinking about. I I, I know they're impacted but that part left my mind so like uh-huh. that looks different for them
2: yeah our special needs population is such a beautiful population exactly but they're forgotten about in these conversations when we're seeing protest folks that are mobile that have full use of both their legs what about individuals that might not have that luxury Right, and what conversations are we having with our kids about acceptance and tolerance and kindness for other people. For our younger, for my younger students, a bigger conversation about race and racism is more so how do we practice kindness for everyone? Mm -hmm. So acknowledging that, hey, you know, um, Johnny's skin color might look different from ours, right? But that doesn't mean that we treat Johnny any differently. No, we love everyone we embrace everyone and what are ways that we can show kindness to our friends what are ways that we can be allies to our friends how can we do that and having a back-and-forth exchange with your child make it into an art project you can literally get scraps of paper markers crayons and write down how can I be an ally how can I be a friend how do we embrace diversity how do we embrace different cultures Very simple, minute steps, but you're planting the seeds. You're planting the seeds for your child. And one last thing I'll say on that also um, is this conversation about law enforcement and police officers. I've had teens express to me distrust with cops and officers. I've had teens express to me the sentiment that they don't like cops. And in itself a tricky conversation to have because I'm not this child's parent, I'm not their family, I'm, you know, I am their mentor, I'm their wellness coach, that is who I am. In those situations, I do ask to bring the parent in on the conversation because it's important for me that we have this conversation out in the open. I want the parents' rights to be respected, their thoughts and their own values and opinions. But then I'll also ask the parents what conversations conversation so they have around safety with their child. God forbid if their child is in danger and mommy and daddy or whomever is not with them, you want them to feel comfortable in saying, yes, I would call 911 because that is how I want. You know, I want my child to know that 911 is there to protect them, but also understanding that I do have to be transparent and understanding that there are some racist people within law enforcement yes there are systemic racism that impacts law enforcement yes however let's not generalize that into all police because that is not the case and that's not the message that we want our kids to receive because ultimately if our kids need help we want them to know that they can call 911 because they should be able to do that and feel comfortable in doing so
1: And thank you for and thank you for that too. So, like with everything that you're doing, because you went from doing workshop in the physical space with the teens with the adolescents, now it's shifting virtually. So, how is the workshop helping them? Like, what are you noticing that is different? Are you noticing any similarities? And like coming up with that concept and the idea, like how is this changing for them? Like helping them.
2: So I thank God for the virtual space and being able to have this safe space for teens because it's also allowed me to... Quarantine has had some positive moments, I have to say. It's allowed me to really connect with people across the world. Yes. So whereas mm-hmm. most of my workshops are typically like New York City-based, Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan, I'm now connecting with folks on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So like California, places that I wouldn't have even of. To answer your question, the virtual workshops give our teens a safe space of community and sisterhood. It gives them a space of feeling that their experiences are not synonymous to just them, but that there's other teens out there experiencing exactly what they are experiencing. Hearing those experiences and also hearing how they've been coping, hearing how they've been managing, how they've been dealing. Mm-hmm. It helps to create this sense of community for them. They're learning together. It gives them something to look forward to outside of their normal, one of my girls told me, you know, quarantine is so boring, but knowing that I get to come to like this workshop, it gives me something to look forward to. It's fun, it's interactive, They do wellness scavenger hunts, which a lot of them have never done before, where they have to find wellness items throughout their home. And it also gives them tangible skills and tools and resources to manage quarantine. I think that is the biggest thing because no one had a guidebook as to this is how you stay safe and manage feelings during quarantine. We didn't have that manual. They need to write one. Maybe it's something I'll come up with. That's but it. There you go. You started we didn't already. We have that. So now, virtual world allows them to come together in my workshops and learn the things we want our kids to know: how to process, how to cope, how to manage, how to implement all these things that they are learning. Um, and it just feels really good to be able to give our young girls that space because we recognize that it's so needed and the anxiety symptoms that initially presented at the beginning of the workshops have fortunately started to decrease, diminish throughout the duration
0: of our time together and that makes me really happy. Mm, yes. I think you are doing amazing work yes and even just this conversation that we talked about today like I've learned so much mm. I felt empowered in the things that I've already been doing with my daughter but also thinking more about what our adolescents are going through the coping skills that you are providing them and how you're talking to the parents as well is so like tangible and important mm-hmm. and I think everything you said mm-hmm. and you're doing was so well versed and well said. And so I hope my listeners definitely tune in <laughs> to this to this. Listen to it. Send it to your friends. Have your parents listen mm-hmm. to it. You mm-hmm. know, follow Tiana on Instagram at T Speak NYC as well because this is this is so needed and so important and the work that you are doing is is beautiful and I just continue to hope that your business continues to thrive.
2: Uh thank you, Britt. Thank
0: you so
2: much for that censoring. That makes me feel so good. And also just thank you guys for like mm-hmm. creating this space to talk about the work that I'm doing, but even more so including young people and their experiences as a part of your podcast. I think that is just
0: so important. So thank you ladies. Oh,
1: you're welcome definitely. And I and I appreciate you coming in and like just doing this with us because I think this conversation is so important needed to have. And like our parents need those resources and those kids need those support. And so like I think the virtual just being part of the virtual doing the poetry I, w- I didn't know what what to expect cuz that was the first time I was like actually using my own poetry to do it and to see how when I provide them with a word and getting them to do the activity and they actually like engaged and did it and to see the outcome of it. I was like okay, like we're you're doing something here and we're doing something here and this is important for them for them to give them like different resources on how they can connect with themselves and do stuff. So, and I definitely appreciate you doing that. Awesome. Awesome work. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> we are going to go into our wild card segment with Tiana. Ooh. <laughs> Don't
1: be scared, Don't be scared. <laughs> so are you ready for our wild card questions? <laughs>
2: I don't
1: know how to answer that. All right. All you have to do is choose um, the number from 1 to 10.
2: Uh, Let's go with
1: 3. 3? Okay. What is your favorite childhood memory?
2: Favorite childhood memory... Probably going to Jamaica with my parents because my family... My family is Jamaican, and I want to say since I was three or four, we've been going every year, so it was always something to look forward to, and we have so many family members out there, so I think for sure that's a favorite childhood memory, eating the fresh mango, because, you know, Caribbean mango is different from the mango here in the States, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really,
0: really, really enjoy going to Jamaica
2: every year.
1: I, I
0: love Jamaica.
1: I love Jamaica Girl. too.
0: Like, <laughs> right. we were supposed to, so um, my mom, Her one of her best friends used to uh, live in Jamaica. So growing up, we would go to her house. Mm-hmm. And I just, fell, I fell in love. We went for my honeymoon two years ago. And we were like, we don't want to leave. It's so nice yeah. here. We were supposed to go again this July. And then COVID happened. I was mm. like, <laughs> COVID had
1: different plans for a lot of our travel plans. I know. <laughs> different I
2: know. plans. Different
1: plans. I can't wait to get on the plane and be out. I'm. I'm just counting the days. Thank you so much, Tiana. It was so wonderful to have you with us today to chat and just to talk about this topic, which is very important. And I'm happy that you're doing oh, something that's it with this. Yes, that's oh, pretty that much it. Too. Do you, I mean? Do you want to do that's another question? You want another one? We can do another one if you want to. We have Oh, another one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do one more. <laughs> She's not ready to leave, guys. Go ahead.
2: I'll take number seven.
1: Seven. Okay. What is um, your biggest fear? Oh. Hmm.
2: My biggest fear. I don't know that I could say I have a fear fear per se I can more so say what I would absolutely hate the most which would be not being able to do this work Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. if I I could do this work in my sleep like I I I live it I breathe it I enjoy working with young people so much so I think if for whatever reason I was no longer able to do that that would make me really sad Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I think not being able to impact and do the work that I'm doing, that would be, like, devastating for me.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah. Do you
1: have one, do you have one, you? Do you
0: have, like, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear? I don't know, because I was looking at that question, I'm like, I don't even know what my biggest fear would be. Um. Because I try to, like, live each moment as best as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it would have to be these things. That this is just, like, my passion. I think my biggest fear would be is if I didn't use my gift and my voice to be able to provide, a, like, a space of inspiration for others. That would be my biggest fear, like if someone, if it just, I don't know, someone like just took that, like no one can take it from you, but if it just went dormant or something happened, like, I'm like, no, like, I really truly feel like I was put on this earth to be a source of inspiration for others and have an impact on other people as, because I'm just, I don't know, I'm that person.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good well <laughs> mine's gonna be a little bit off i mean i do i think it's the i think it applies for me the same thing but i guess for me my biggest fear will be snakes i'm sorry i do not like snakes i hate snakes so my that's that's mine and that's why when i travel i usually like get worried especially when i'm out like in the forest and i like to go out and, and be with nature so for me it's just snakes i mean i do have a voice i do want to um share my voice but for me it's it's i don't like i don't like snakes I can't. Yes, I can't do it. Oh
0: yeah. Mm -mm. I can't do it. mm -mm. I can't do Mm -mm. it. Mm -mm.
1: (laughs) I can't do it. No, thank you. No. All right. So. Thank you. All right, so Tiana. So, can you tell everyone where we can where they can find you? um Share with us, like what they what they can expect. Is there anything coming up for you?
2: Sure. So, your listeners can find me on Instagram at T Speaks NYC, T Speaks NYC. Um, they can also find me via my website, www.tspeaksnyc.com. And on both platforms, they'll have access to my wellness worksheets. So if you go on my Instagram page and you hit the link in the bio, there's a link for my social emotional store and they can find the worksheets there or they can find it on my website either or on the site. There's a shop option. They can find the worksheets there. Um, going forward um, into the summer months, um, I do still have availability now. I don't know if this episode will be aired. I'm hoping it still holds true. But I do still have availability now for my mental, my mental wellness coaching and mentoring for teens um what that looks like i meet with my teens once a week and this is one-on-one so okay. we have run workshops but with the coaching sessions that's one-on-one and i meet with them via zoom for an hour and we just talk and we process and we have a good time um, so that is also still an option so if they're interested in that they can send me an email um t speaks nyc at gmail.com And I'm looking forward to connecting with
0: your listeners. And thank you for having me today. Of course. And again, thank you for joining us as well. And I hope our listeners um, enjoy this episode. So we will wrap it up here. And again, you can follow the Millennial Babes podcast on our Instagram at millennial underscore babes underscore podcast. Or if you want to be a guest, you can email us at millennialbabespodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave us a review.